DiscerningHearts.com presents St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. Father Haggerty is a priest of the Archdiocese of New York who serves at St. Patrick's Cathedral. He taught moral theology and worked as a spiritual director in seminaries for 20 years. He has directed numerous yearly retreats for the Missionaries of Charity. He's the author of Contemplative Provocations, The Contemplative Hunger, Conversion, Contemplative Enigmas, and St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, the book on which this series is based. St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. I can't help but think of those four great examples I've always tried to remember in my own mind when it comes to that devotion to Eucharistic adoration, to that hour every day just sitting before the Blessed Sacrament. And here are four wonderful examples. Mother Teresa did it. St. John Paul did it. But also Servant of God Dorothy Day and Venerable Fulton Sheen. They're four completely different personalities, come from four completely different backgrounds and lifestyles, and yet the one thing that they had in common was this time in prayer, and boy, wow, how the world was transformed for their questing to be able, in faith, for the beloved. After that prayer, going out and finding him and missioning in that quest. Well, that's to say an incomparable reality in these lives. And we should remember, too, is, you know, they were saintly people, Dorothy Day, hopefully one day will be canonized. Bishops are asking for that, and I think almost unanimously in the United States. And she was a saint. By the way, she was a friend of Mother Teresa also. Mother mm-hmm. Teresa knew of her. And when Mother Teresa, for the first time, was in the United States and had to pass through New York on her way back to Calcutta, she wanted to see Dorothy Day. That perhaps also opened Mother Teresa's eyes to the reality of the poor in the United States as Dorothy Day walked with her on a sidewalk in the Bowery. And all of these men, you know, these despairing men in their alcoholic lives lying around on the sidewalks there in the Bowery at that time, Mother Teresa saw a different poverty and eventually put so many houses then into the West. She has more houses in the United States other than India than anywhere else in the world in terms of Mm. countries. So yes, for sure. And I think it's good what you just said, because that's not just a saint choosing that. It's good. It's indispensable for seminarians, men who are going to be priests, to be aware to commit oneself to time alone in silence privately with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, to put an hour of silence every day before him. You could say if you don't do that, you know, you're a neglectful person of the invitation that God wants to extend, you know, to your soul. All we have to do is show up, you know, be there, give ourselves to our Lord. And the reward, the extension of grace, you know, is is great. It leads even to these lives, as you've just mentioned, of great holiness and sanctity. Some of these things are initial choices to give ourselves, to choose for prayer, for silence, for that sacred time of quiet with God. If you choose it, 
it doesn't take long, perhaps, where you're caught, you know, in a good way, and you say, never will I turn back on this. And then hopefully, we don't, do not turn back. In a very practical way, for, you know, maybe there's a young mother in an apartment somewhere who is unable at a time to be able to break away and go to a church and be able to be before the Blessed Sacrament, or if it's somebody who has to work and has to get up early and just in the course of that day, they just aren't able to do that. But even taking the action of just sitting somewhere, maybe holding a Bible that contains the sacred words of our Lord, that is a holy book, it's a holy Bible, unlike all the other writings, maybe just even holding it towards your heart, just holding it against your chest, even for five minutes, 10 minutes, just giving it that space, something that connects you, that can be a great way to begin to open that door, can it not? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's a good comment. And you know, it's good to remember that we have saints, you know, people who became very, very holy in the history of the church, of Christianity, who did not have access to the Blessed Sacrament. I'm thinking, for instance, of the thousands of desert monks who lived in Egypt and Syria in those early centuries. And, you know, they had much quiet, yes, solitude, which opened up their inner spirit in great ways. But what you just said is so appropriate because God takes us as we are, and he knows. He knows the demands of life. A young mother, you know, with young children can't, you know, bring them all out to uh, the church, you know, so easily each day. But God will take us as we are in our circumstances. If those little children take a nap, you know, and the baby takes a nap, that can be a time for, if she's not exhausted, you know, the mother to have that quiet. It's good to know, as you brought up the Bible right now, there are places in the Bible that really are perhaps most sacred. I think the saints became saints in part because they kept returning to the Passion accounts in the Gospel. It's good to remember that we don't hear those Gospels in the church, you know, hardly at all. We read fully a Gospel of Matthew, Mark, or Luke on, on Good Friday. Well, we read John on Good Friday. On Palm Sunday, we read one of those, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. But we're not reading the Passion accounts, you know, during the course of the year. And to read them, to savor the details of this, to fall in love, you know, with our Lord in coming close to the Passion, to take a crucifix and hold that in one's hands, like you said, holding the Bible to your heart, to look at a crucifix, to take it down from the wall or have a crucifix and gaze on that crucifix for some minutes. Now, God takes the heart as it is. And if that heart is very open and loves our Lord, this person already now is beginning to be drawn into that deeper longing for God and it's much of spiritual life sometimes is getting started, letting the currents, the undercurrents of longing, of desire, of love to awaken and letting them get inflamed a bit. And then God will, he will be active trying to move the soul, you know, more and more deeply close to him. I've found over the years for me, a real fundamental truth is that love doesn't divide, it only multiplies. 
you just love more. I realized that once I had children, I thought I couldn't love the one child. How could I possibly love the next one that's coming as much as I love this first one? And then to my utter amazement and joy, you just do. The love just expands. It doesn't chop in half. And I think that's true when it comes to our expressions in love, in caring for others, yes, and all those other things, but also in the heart of prayer. And what you've been speaking of, these actions of love and just giving, even suffering the silence for a time, it doesn't mean you can't read the scriptures. It doesn't mean it takes the place of mass. It doesn't take the place of praying the rosary for intentions that maybe are for others. That can be great acts of love too. These responses to God and our prayer of love doesn't divide up or get chopped up. It's actually just multiplies, doesn't it? Well, it's a great statement, Chris, about a mother's love increasing and multiplying, you know, exponentially, you know, as you have more children. Be great for the world to hear that because that may be one of the reasons why we, you know, are suffering more in in the world right now because there's too much caution about the extension of oneself in love. And in fact, you know, God has his uh, way to stretch the heart in a not painful way, but in beautiful ways. And to find God as much as possible, you know, open in his presence to us, this is the reality of spiritual life. So praying the rosary is a way to learn to love more. And we come to love our, our mother in heaven, and we begin to share too, you know, her desire for souls. If we're repeating how many times over and over, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. There are people who are in need of that prayer in the very moment we're saying that. So finding our way with God, being comfortable with the desire to give ourselves fully to him. For most people, it's a long life. You know, we could say one year is a long time. But put a lot of years together, and this is a pilgrimage with God. And for sure, he's not there just to teach us. He wants to unite himself to us. He wants to enter into our lives. I remember when I was living in Ethiopia, the Christianity there is primarily Orthodox Ethiopians and the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. It's about 50% of the country. And there are many small chapels, churches, in, in Addis Ababa and elsewhere all around the country. And one image that I saw over and over and over again in Ethiopia was a, it's a very simple painting, but you saw it all the time on the outside of churches. And they're kind of round churches. And this is an image of Jesus standing outside a door with his hand knocking on the door. And what's striking in the picture is there's no handle on his side. So he wants to enter, but it can't be open except there has to be a person on the inside who opens it. That's a great picture in one sense, an image of what is the real spiritual life is, that he's knocking and he wants to enter. And he wants to enter through the rosary, through the mass, through actions outside. But we have to open. We have to open the door. We have to make that choice. And we have to do what we can. We may think, I have nothing inside here to offer him. I'm not ready. I have nothing cooked. The house is untidy. Open the door and let him enter. And in the smallest of things, the smallest of prayers, 
he is happy to have that invitation to enter. The thing is, I, and I was really recalling of this when I was reaching towards the end of St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, this one point where you help us to understand the pruning action, as it were, of God. And what you just said, it becomes even more clear to me that oftentimes, you know, he's looking at us and we come to him. A rosebush, sometimes you think, if you can just let it get really big and grow out, it has all these flowers and present, this is the most beautiful bush. And actuality, it's overgrown. And it's not bearing the kind of flowers and beauty that it could if you pruned it way back and you allowed it to grow in a particular way and to have the energy to produce what it really can produce. And I think in some ways, that's what we're like. We want to present ourselves to God. This is the best that it's going to be. Here we are. I'm presenting myself to you. And he loves us so much that he will allow that pruning that happens through suffering in our prayer and through other actions because he knows there's so much more. And that once we experience that and we see it in the end, that, oh, okay, I get it now. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. And it's what, you know, Jesus himself comments in the gospel, chapter 15 of John, that, you know, I am the vine, my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch that does not bear fruit, but he prunes those who are bearing fruit. And, you know, it's a good image of interpretation. Why do things happen that are costly? Why does he take things from us? even our health or, you know, things that where we could have done good works, we think, you know, that we were being fruitful. Why does he, you know, take things or cause disappointments? And it's not just to bring the person down and reduce. It's not that. There are temporary interim things of pain, perhaps, and suffering, uh, frustration that are leading in time to further fruits. There's a great expression, if God closes one door, he's about to open another door. And to be aware of that, that God is at work, that if a person is offering themselves to him, well, God will be serious with that person. He will make use of the person. We're praying, you know, Lord, please use me. I want to serve you. I'm at your service, and I'm going to be used. I'm at your disposal. Well, God will take us at our word. And... Part of that will be, you know, as you said, a pruning experience. But in one way, you know, the great pruning of the time is that to be led more into the passion itself of Jesus. And it's not just the passion. We get, depends on the person and their unique life, but there are different tastes of that passion. You know, sometimes people have more the mockery of Jesus in the initial phase of the passion with the indifference, you know, of crowds to him, or some have the physical suffering in some manner of our Lord, or the betrayals, or, you know, there are different tastes of the passion of Jesus, and this is a great pruning, you know, of the life of the time. We'll return to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation with Father Donald Haggerty, in just a moment.
Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. The Living Flame of Love by St. John of the Cross O living flame of love that tenderly wounds my soul in its deepest center, since now you are not oppressive, now consummate, if it be your will. Tear through the veil of this sweet encounter. O sweet cauterie, O delightful wound, O gentle hand, O delicate touch that tastes of eternal life and pays every debt, in killing you changed death to life. O lamps of fire, in whose splendors the deep caverns of feeling once obscure and blind, now give forth so rarely, so exquisitely, both warmth and light to their beloved. How gently and lovingly you wake in my heart, where in secret you dwell alone, and in your sweet breathing, filled with good and glory, how tenderly you swell my heart with love. We now return to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. I think it was really important for us, especially as you come towards the closing of St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, you bring us Our Lady and her humility. And ultimately, I mean, when you think of St. Teresa of Avila, the word that always pops up, and she writes it so often, she's always saying, humility, humility, humility. You can almost hear her saying it, reminding her sisters, and John of the Cross, too. I mean, the greatest of the virtues in some ways is humility, isn't it? And that's how you enter into this type of contemplative prayer, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the the way to understand that, too, is the that life of prayer is humbling in itself, you know, and that and needs to be accepted, you know, that we get humbled, you know, we realize more our incapacities, you know, that we're not bringing our talents, you know, our ability to achieve into prayer, we're bringing ourself. And that self is actually, in truth, full of a great poverty in its depths. And to be humbled by that reality it's good to be conscious too, as you're saying that. We have to, you know, place before our awareness that God is very attracted to the humble. And in one way, he's put off, you know, by our pride. 
you know, he still stays close to people, he still stays close to us when we're in our moods of pride or we let that vanity or pride, you know, arise up. But the fact is that he's attracted to the humble, to those who are more self-forgetful that, you know, not exaggerate, you know, and in a sense create illusions of deeper nothingness in themselves, but are just humble. And why is God so attracted to that? Because we might want to realize, too, that God himself is so humble. We not often don't think of God as humble, and yet that may be a very serious attribute in God's nature, that he's humble. He took our flesh, became a child, you know, from the moment of conception, and how small he becomes to enter into our world. He's humble every day in showing himself in the fragility of the Eucharist. And I think, you know, we would say like attracts like. When he sees our own soul humble, you know, receptive to receiving his own humility, that is an open door too to deeper contemplative graces. And then we find perhaps the real path that God wants in our lives. It's not to achieve great things in this world, achieve great things for him and souls. You know, that's his desire. And that we humbly accept, you know, the role that he gives us, which for most people is a hidden, unglamorous reality in life, a life of service in some manner, but placed at his disposition, at his disposal, whatever he wants us to do. Maybe a dumb question, but do you think that St. John of the Cross would have embraced, would have just loved the litany of humility? Well, that sounds good to me. You know, I would think he would have prayed it, perhaps. You know, people pray it every day. He lived that, you know, especially that second half, that I not be afraid of being humiliated, of being despised, excluded, rejected, thrown away, you know, all of these things that the poor undergo. And John of the Cross had a prayer. He said, Lord, that I may be despised and rejected, that I may suffer, you know, your own passion. Now, I wouldn't suggest, you know, we all pray that, but he did undergo, you know, this kind of thing at the end of his life. Like all these saints, he was humble, but he also went through the, you know, the terrible humiliations of entasting his own passion from his own order at the end of his life. So the reality of these things, you know, it's so interesting, too. You talked about, you know, the rose bush not so long ago, just now. And it's really true that God has such uniqueness in what he wants to firm, you know, in the course of a, a life. And the greatest of these flowers, so to speak, you know, are these saints. The real beauty of human life is in those saints. That's why it's good to have favorite saints. We can't know them all and we can't be friends with them all, but you know, to come to know them and realize how some of them were on the fast track for this, like the St. Therese of Lisieux, some of them had their major ups and downs and conversions, like the recently canonized St. Charles de Foucault, which who has an amazing light and story. But to come to know them and then you realize God is pruning, forming, you know, carving depth into these lives. And that's really what it is. He carves depth, the depth that opens to himself in, inside the, the deeper regions of these souls. Part of the reason that happens is they became deep souls of prayer. That's what opened up 
the deep recesses of the soul to God, and then he was free, you know, to do what he wanted with them. Well, Father Haggerty, I'm so grateful for the time that you've given us over these many hours and really in our conversations about St. John on the Cross. I just, in closing this particular series, you have any final thoughts for the listener? Well, I want to say thank you to you, Chris, and I thank you for your own witness and for making it possible to have these conversations. And, you know, my, my last thought might be that I hope St. John of the Cross becomes more known, that people dip into him if it's needed to dip into him, that they begin to taste more, you know, what deeper challenges are in the spiritual life, and that there is not a fear of giving oneself more to God. I've never known a missionary of charity, you know, to say, oh, I made a mistake in giving myself more to God. The happiest people I've known in my life have been those sisters of Mother Teresa, and People who give themselves to God never, when they really do give, they never regret it. If anyone is listening to that, let us be generous with God. He is overabundant in returning himself to those who are generous with him. Let us all pray for one another. Let us pray for those who need prayer. And this time, you know, more than ever, that souls come to know God. Thank you so much, Father Haggerty. Thank you, Chris, and God bless you. You've been listening to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. This series is based on the book, St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, published by Ignatius Press. Visit ignatius.com to obtain a copy, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty.